podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and welcome to episode 155. Uh, for our longtime listeners, we've got a real special guest coming back on the show, Mr. Brent Grant, uh, fully exempt this year on the Corn Ferry Tour. Brent is just a breath of fresh air in the professional golf scene. He's humble, down to earth. He's just a true grinder, a hard worker, and it proved in his results this year, he finished 63rd on the top 25 for the Corn Ferry Tour, earning him full exempt status into next year. Uh, also, this man leads the Corn Ferry Tour in driving distance at 324.1 yards average. That's average distance. So for everyone out there that thinks, oh, I hit the ball, you know, 250 downwind, downhill, off a car path, this man is averaging 324 on the longest tour in the world right now. Um, so we're going to get some thoughts, some insights for our new listeners that have never heard Grant before. Uh, go ahead and, and, and check back on episode 81 and 131. And, you know, Mr. Grant is just a phenomenal interview. Uh, love hearing his insight. We'll give you a little bit of, of intro for the new listeners uh, to how he kind of got on tour and what his goals are coming up fairly soon. This man is a breakout star in the making. Uh, so without any further ado, enjoy episode 155 with Brent Grant and stay tuned next week for our regularly scheduled programming with Scott and myself. Uh, Brent, welcome back, my man. I mean, it's been, uh, it's crazy. I looked at our last record, it was like 10 months ago, but uh, this is like your third or fourth time on. Um, in the intro, I kind of told the new listeners uh, you know, a little bit about you. Our old time listeners, you know, they love having you on, love how down to earth you are. Um, I always get the responses like, you know, I can't believe how far that guy hits the ball, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I'm really excited for kind of our new listeners that just joined us within the last six, seven months or so to to kind of get a little bit of your background and history in the game and and kind of where you are now. So real quickly, can you give us like a two-minute synopsis of, you know, your golfing career up to now for all the new people that have joined us recently? Well, I, I suppose it's a good thing. It's really short. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, so honestly, uh, I didn't start playing until till about 13 or 14. Um, didn't really get serious about it till you know, realistically senior year of high school. Um you know, went to went went to a couple couple colleges to play. Uh, went to Oregon State for a hot second. Uh, didn't quite enjoy it there. Um, didn't play much, and then went back home to Hawaii. So, you know, uh, and uh, played for D two school there. Won a couple of won a couple of championships. Was like eleventh in the in the nation uh, for that year. Um, you know, went back to work, basically, you know, school definitely wasn't my thing. Uh, and then a year later, I played in the Sony for the first time uh, in 2017. Got some pretty good uh, inspiration from that. Um, and then turned pro and then that was uh, coming up on five years ago. And now I have full status 
uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour and uh, was basically three or four shots away from having my PJ Tour card last year. So, yeah, we'll, right we'll, now. we'll get into that full exempt status because that is, I mean, as, as people know, just absolutely astronomical as far as the planning and the prep for the upcoming year. Um, but I, I tell you what, it's, it's funny cause we've had, you know, you, you know, I've chatted for like, gosh, it's almost years now I can say. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, so I didn't know you had jumped that many schools. I, you know, I knew you had started kind of super, I don't want to say super late. I hate saying that because, you know, the mindset now with youth sports is, Hey, my kid's got to start by three in order to become a tour pro or whatnot. You know, you know how those people burn out. You feel like yeah. starting a little bit later in your high school career or in your teens almost served as a, as a benefit for you? Oh yeah. I mean, so, you know, growing up, I played, I played all the team sports, um, that you normally would, you know, basketball, baseball, football, um, you know, and, and it's, it, my, my true love even to, to this day has been baseball. So, you know, this idea that, that, um, you know, you have to, you have to solely, um, you know, commit yourself at a very young age to golf or to, to or to whatever sport, um, you know, you want to, you want to play uh, in order to, to make it um, really only um, is the case for, you know, a couple of things, you know, you could pick up, you could pick up basketball pretty late. Um, I have, I have friends that, that were in, were in high school and, and, you know, they balled out and they just kind of, you know, showed up and, and did it. It wasn't like they were traveling or, or, or anything like that. And then, you know, now they're in college and, and some of them are out of college, you know, playing in G league and stuff like that. Um, you know, but with golf, I mean, I, I think it's really important for, for parents specifically um, to understand that yes, it's a difficult sport, but you cannot, unless you have millions of dollars behind your kid, um, you know, having them solely commit to golf puts more of a strain on the family um, than most people realize. I mean, I've I've seen kids that, you know, their their parents quit their jobs and and which is great. You know, it's an amazing sacrifice, and and I hope the kid realizes what that means, but the sort of control that these parents sort of exert on their kids, um, you know, ends up being a detriment in the end. And for me, my dad basically told me straight up, he was like, dude, like, I like to golf. Um, you like to golf. Let's go play golf all, <laughs> all the time. I love and, that. You know, and, and so for me, the, the sacrifice really didn't come until, you know, later on, so I could appreciate it. Um, and even to this day, <clears throat> the relationship that I have with my father would not have been the way that it was, um, had, had, you know, had he not, uh, had I not played golf. So, um, yeah, to, to answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's, it served as a benefit, not just for me, but the people around me. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, you know, getting burnt out, um, that's never going to happen. Um, so it's just, you know, these kids have played hundreds and hundreds of tournaments more than I have. And I'm still, I don't even think I've played a hundred tournaments in my career. So, um, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. So, 
I think that's a great message for all of our junior golfers that that listen and all the parents that listen for them to kind of understand that like you don't need to you know put a second mortgage on the house in order to get your kid into these tournaments right because like you know if you have the talent somebody's going to find you like someone's going to recognize that um for our junior Hopefully. golfers that listen can you give them an idea you know what you were shooting in in high school as you progressed to your senior year and then maybe the the transition to college um so i had a pretty pretty steep uh ascent i should say um with regards to the scores i you know i learned very very quickly that that cheating and um you know and kind of like fudging the scores and stuff like that like everybody does when they're younger um you know was not the way to go and so when i first got dropped off um you know those first couple summers in high school you know i spent probably you know 10 to 15 hours a day on the golf course or on the range uh every day um and it was sort of it was sort of what i did uh during the summer and um and so i went from you know, mid to high 70s, sometimes the 80s to never in the 80s to scratch probably within a year. Um, and then in my sophomore summer, so after my sophomore year, I shot 10 under at my at my home course um, and realized pretty quickly that I was actually pretty good at it. Um, and so that kind of kept going. And then in my junior year, I qualified for the USAM um, and played my first uh mainland event in uh in boston that that's uh at the country club in brookline and then uh you know became a plus handicap pretty quickly um and by the time i was senior year i was basically regarded as one of the better kids in in high school golf uh and in you know and an amateur golf at that time in hawaii um and then by the time I, like I said, I mean, I was 20 years old and playing in D2 and I think I won six or seven events in total, including, you know, amateur and college events, including for qualifying for the 2016 USAM at uh, Oakland Hills. So, you know, it was not like I um, didn't put in the work and all of a sudden the scores showed up. I mean, I was there every day um, working hard and, you know, I, I, I've been blessed to, to be able to say that I've improved every single year. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of neat too, because just going back to what we said about parents kind of breaking the bank to throw kids into all these tournaments, you know, you on an, on an, an Island, right. Basically. And, and it's very difficult, you know, to come over to the mainland. So, you know, you only had what was available in Hawaii. So, mm-hmm. For all these parents that are like, oh, I've got to travel, you know, everywhere across the lower 48, like, you know, you've you've done it a completely different way, which is, you know, incredible. And I think the bottom line is, you know, and I know what a hard worker you are and how hard that you grind. Like, that's the bottom line. You've got to you've got to put the time in. You know, you could go to this, that, and the other tournament and play the whole AJGA circuit, but if you're not putting the time in and putting the time in correctly, then the results are not going to show. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's exactly right. And it's so funny. I had a 
good buddy of mine that I've that I've known for oof, probably ten or fifteen years is is sort of just now kind of getting his career aligned with regards to golf. Um, you know, after college, he's the same age as I am, and we were talking yesterday for probably. 45 minutes to an hour and he was just picking my brain about um about kind of how i prepare and and all this stuff and it's so funny because i you know as you've noticed and i'm sure the people listening to this will notice i ramble on and lecture um <laughs> a lot um but it's, it's so always good because, info though that's a, that's the a thing it's always good info well i appreciate that i hope i i am definitely not uh i'm not trying to calculate everything i'm trying to say i'm just trying to be as uh as real as i possibly can um but um yeah no it's it's uh, exactly i mean my parents um you know like many like many parents of that generation um you know went into went into debt and and did all that kind of stuff because you know, it was just kind of the way to go. You know, you, you used a credit card for everything and you, you weren't really taught how to manage that. Um, you know, so similar, similar to kind of how I've always done things, I, I, I learned by doing. Um, and usually that means screwing up pretty badly. So, um, you know, that's, you know, I learned from them and, and but I also, I, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, because you kind of realize pretty quickly how much things cost when you become an adult, and you look looking back on it, the tens of thousands of dollars that it cost them over probably a eight year span, um, you know, puts a new perspective on what I'm doing now, uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of tour pros on the pod and at tournaments, and you know, far and away, and I say it all the time to people that you're the most humble, but I think you're also the most respectful of what your parents and people around you have put into your game to allow you to be at the position that you're at. You know, I don't, I don't think I've, I've ever come across somebody that puts it into such perspective, right? Because I mean, you, you play with guys out there and you know, there's, there's so many silver spoon dudes that are out there. Um, you know, the guys with the tempers, the, the egos, the hotheads that were handed mm -hmm. everything to them and they just expect greatness to happen. You know, like like they should just be given the tour card. Um, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's not how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, growing up, you know, the way that and I can say that we have because I know that we come from similar uh, similar backgrounds, but. Um, you know, this, and this, this idea that, um, you know, entitlement and, and stuff like that is, uh, is unfortunate. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of good people out there that, that obviously come from, you know, very wealthy backgrounds. Um, you know, we, we have several of them on the corn Ferry tour. Um, but you know, what's, what's difficult, I think is, is kind of, and has always been difficult for me. I can't really speak for anybody else, but you know, looking at that and understanding that, you know, their challenges are going to be a lot more difficult to overcome because they come from that place. Um, while they may succeed in, you know, what they're doing just because, you know, it, you know, money begets money, basically. Um, and, and with golf specifically, you get to a level of success just simply by working. 
Um, now what that is, you know, everybody's ceiling is different, obviously, but you know, the people like, you know, um, uh, you know, like my buddy, John, who was on credit cards for a long time, um, you know, is just not, is, is, has gotten to the point now in his thirties where he's sort of realizing that, that, you know, um, it's, it's, it's just a lot, it's a lot harder than, than what it was made out to be initially. Um, now he made it to the PGA tour and he's on the corn Ferry tour now, but, um, you know, this guy works his, works his hands to the bone. Um, and it's, and it's just, you know, he's got his dad out there, you know, helping him out and, you know, he, he, he just kind of grinds and, and all that stuff. And then there's guys that, you know, get to, get to fly private and, 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 you know, get to where they got because of what school they went to or who their dad is and, and all that's well and good, but, you know, at the end of the day, and, and I've, and I've always maintained this, I will 100% take the guy that comes from nothing um, in a pinch uh, than the guy that, that, you know, is super successful just because of, you know, his last name or, or where he comes from. Um, and that's not to say that those guys don't work hard because obviously they do, but um, reliability is just not the same. It doesn't mean the same thing. Um, as I'm sure, as I'm sure, you know, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, speaking of, you know, all that hard work that you've put in, um, you know, I hope you agree, but I think you'll, you know, you'll agree that it manifested itself this year for you on, on this kind of super exaggerated, you know, super year of, of the corn Ferry <laughs> yeah. tour, right? We had no, no cards handed out last year. It was kind of you know, a season and a half, a season and three quarters, almost two seasons in one. Two seasons, yeah. <laughs> yeah, two seasons in one. Um, you had some, you know, I'll, I'll run down the list of, of some of the, the more uh, accomplished finishes. T5 at Simons Bank, T5 at uh, Lee Combe, where you hold, held the 36-hole lead. Uh, T8 at the Utah Championship, which you always play exceptional at. Led the Corn Ferry Tour in driving distance. Uh, and like we mentioned at the top of the show, now we're fully exempt uh, this year on the Corn Ferry Tour. So I, I want to ask, how how much relief is there from knowing that you're fully exempt, knowing that you can kind of you know pick and choose the schedule, how you want to go about it, um, as opposed to you know the start of 2020, where you know you had conditional then, correct? Yeah. So, you know, I had, uh, I had, had gotten through Q school, um, finals. I, I, it was my second trip to finals and, uh, you know, I'd gotten eight starts and was in the, was in the Q school top 40 category. Um, like, you know, a bunch of guys are, uh, were and, um, yeah. And then, uh, just kind of played my way, played my way on, um, I guess, uh, with the starts that I was pretty fortunate to get. Um, and then, yeah, so conditional, I guess, sort of, yeah. I mean, it was, um, I definitely didn't have to Monday qualify, which was, you know, awesome. Um, so to go from having to Monday qualify in 2019 to earning it in 2020 was, you know, pretty big boost. And then obviously, you know, to go from that to, injured to outside of the top 75 with eight tournaments to go to securing my card before Omaha. 
um, was was pretty cool. Let me interrupt that thought process real quick. What's more stressful and more difficult, Monday qualifying or Q school? Oh, Q school by okay. loads. Yeah, I can't stand Monday qualifying. Um, it's not that it's not that it's not difficult. Um, it's 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 just a lot more abrupt than Q school is. So it's it's very um, it's a very dangerous path to be on because you begin you begin to forget about the process of uh, the whole thing because you play one round of golf and if you make two bogeys you feel like you're going to lose. So right. you know in Q school you know um, like for example um, when I went through this last time in 2019 you know I started off pretty poorly um, you know I think I shot one or two over on the first round. And then followed it up with an eight under and then shot poorly in the third round. And then I finished with an eight under and, you know, this, this idea that, um, you know, you're never out of it is it holds true in Q school. Uh, it doesn't hold true in Monday qualifying. Um, it, it's very rare that you'll get, you'll get to a place where, especially now where if you shoot, you know, four or five under and unless it was really tough, like like genuinely difficult and you and you play your your ass off more than likely the cut's going to be six or seven right under i mean in vegas i think it was like 12 11 10 9 9 or something some ridiculous number um and i mean that's for a monday qualifier for a pj tour event <laughs> i mean that's that's unreal and uh you know but q school because it's your livelihood it's it's simply just more stressful period Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. The, the, the one day aspect, you know, it's, I guess you kind of look at it like it's hit or miss, right? Like, okay, maybe I didn't have my good stuff that day, but the next week I do. Whereas Q school, correct me if I'm wrong. It's six, six rounds. Is that right? No, it used to be. So, um, it goes pre-qualifiers, three rounds, first stage is four and it's, it is four rounds all the way up to final stage and final stage is also four rounds. Now, it used to be six when it was um, to get into PGA Tour. That was but now since it's transferred over, to Corn, okay, yeah, so it's transferred over to the Corn Ferry. So, yeah, I mean, I guess you're, you're getting kind of the, those outliers that might have that one great round and make it through a Monday qualifier, you know, but also blow up and shoot big numbers. That's going to kind of show its head at Q School. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at, you look at any, any of the second stage leaderboards. Um, I just did yesterday. Cause obviously I had a few buddies that were playing. Um, and I saw a guy that, that, you know, went out to bear Creek and it sucks because, you know, uh, nobody ever wants to be in this position, but I think he shot 17 over and, or, or something like that. I mean, just a ridiculous, you know, kind of blow up for four rounds you know, this is a guy that made it through to first, you know, through to second stage. And that means he has some, some resemblance of a game. Um, and he could put four rounds together, but you know, when he goes to a golf course like Bear Creek that can really jump up and bite you, um, you know, he shot a million over and, um, and again, it sucks, you know, nobody ever wants to be in that position, but in the Monday qualifier, um, you know, for example, like TJ Vogel did a few years ago, you know, he would, he was like, some some umpteen under par for Monday qualifiers, and then when he would go 
when he would go and play in the PGA Tour events, he'd miss the cut by one or two, and it, it's just a different animal. Um, but it's it's that's kind of the fickle side of this game where you know one day you know you could have your your game together uh and then when it's really on the line and you really have to make the cut it's a, it's a completely different facet of of the brain that you have to use and yet at the same time it's still the same game and you're still the same person it's just right. so just um, different parameters oh it's crazy yeah it's unbelievable yeah i got so a lot you- of respect for guys that get through like that Oh, for for sure. I mean, it's yeah, for sure. Um, so you're in the off season right now, right? Season starts up uh, second week, the third week in January. Uh, Bahamas, that great Exuma. What does your kind of off season schedule look like now? I know, you know, I know a lot of lifting. Obviously, you know, the playing never never stops. But what what you know, kind of give us an insight to like maybe a, a day or a few days in the life of your off season and how you're prepping for that first tournament. Um, so it, this, it's actually major, you know, the last time we talked, um, you know, I was probably hanging in there at like 180 and was, was, was lifting pretty heavy all the time. Um, this was, I think before, uh, before this this last stretch here in 2021, um, during that like four or five month off season, um, right? And I think I was still living in California at the time. Um, but I moved to Arizona. I moved to Arizona in February. Um, and when I got hurt, um, or, or not got hurt, I should say, when it when it finally came to a head and I couldn't play anymore, um, you know, I took off after Nashville, and I realized that that I had a tear in my TFCC joint in my left wrist and essentially everybody in my, in my camp, uh, including, uh, the guys at TPI, uh, my trainer in California and my PT here in Arizona have all said lifting heavy would be probably the worst thing that you could do. So since then I have not really lifted at all, uh, which has been kind of a bummer because it, it definitely, uh, is, is part of who I am. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm working at, uh, at THP here in, in, uh, in Scottsdale and we're essentially working on use, utilizing my strength, uh, that I have gained throughout the last couple of years. And that starts at about six o'clock to six 30 every morning. Uh, then I come home, uh, after working out and I, you know, I cook my breakfast and then I'm on the course from probably 10 or 11 till four or five in the afternoon, uh, which could most mostly consists of practicing. Uh, it's very rare that I get out and play, uh, just because TPC is super packed and I haven't, you know, um, I haven't joined anywhere just yet. So, and then that, that kind of, you know, and then I'll come home and I'll cook, you know, whatever, whatever I feel like cooking, whether it's, uh, chicken and rice, pork and rice, steak and rice, or, uh, whatever and rice. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty simple lifestyle. I spend probably 97% of my time on my own, uh, you know, either cruising at the apartment or practicing, uh, or, you know, if I get, if I get fortunate enough to, you know, get done with my day early enough, especially now, since sun goes down before six, uh, you know, I'll head over to a pond that I've got about 15 minutes up the road, uh, and I'll fish for, you know, a couple, three hours or something like that, uh, with a buddy of mine and, 
and uh, that's sort of my hobby. Uh, but other than that, it's uh, yeah, not not doing much. Honestly, I'm I'm really trying to uh, rest as much as I can. Um, that way, when when I do go uh, and I and I start to hit it hard, you know, towards the end of December, end of January. Um, I don't have any failings and I can, and I can kind of hit it, hit the ground running and hopefully win, you know, three out of the first five events and go straight to the PGA tour. Yeah. Battlefield promotion right to it. <laughs> exactly. Um, did you move to Arizona just for golf purposes to be closer to the TPC network? That was one of the, one of the reasons, um, you know, as much as I appreciate and, and loved my time. In California, um, you know, specifically at Bear Creek, uh, it pretty much uh, had already, I had already figured out that um, once I was financially able to do it, obviously, um, I, I figured out that, that I wasn't growing or I wasn't going to grow anymore at Bear Creek. Um, and ultimately, the political situation um, that, I mean, is, that is happening even right now um was was not ideal um you know and, and it started to affect even our little corner which seemed to be you know untouchable for a little while um it just it just i just realized really quickly that that uh to get to somewhere where i had kind of always wanted to go um it's so funny i had i had this i had this ex-girlfriend that we had this plan you know years ago that that uh you know, she was going to go to school and, and I was going to move to Phoenix. And that was kind of where I was, where I was going to be. And it's so funny because it didn't happen for what ended up being five years. Uh, and then when I finally did it, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and every day I wake up and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely the right decision. What are your, uh, what are your thoughts on, on desert golf? <laughs> Also, I mean, obviously, both TPC courses are, are uh, you know, desert courses, um, you know, here at the Champions and, and the stadium. Um, you know, it's definitely different. Um, you get a really uh, good understanding of where everything's at um, just because you can look and see where the brush starts. Um, when sometimes in, in, when you're playing tree line golf courses, you know, the fairway could bend a little further than, than where the trees start, uh, or overhang, uh, which is a different, it is a, just a completely different look. Um, I can fight the ball as high as I want, um, and not have to worry about hitting a tree, uh, which is probably the biggest, uh, the biggest difference between that and, and, uh, you know, regular, uh, mainland golf, but, um, it's good. It tests you in a different way, but at the same time, it doesn't test you at all. And because there's no wind, usually, um, the weather's usually perfect. Um, but you know, the conditions are such that you get a really good idea of, of, you know, what your swing actually creates rather than you know, oh, it's blowing 30 off the right. Like, you know, I grew up at a range that, you know, it always was in and from the right blowing at about 25 miles an hour. Um, so I really figured out how to move it from right to left, but I could never figure out how to move it left to right um, because the ball would never move that way. When out here, I can move it in 40 different directions and, 
you know, figure out exactly how to do that, which is, you know, obviously a good thing. Yeah, that's interesting. So it gives you, so it, it kind of really shows you a true baseline of what your swing is and ball flight is. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that's, 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 yep. That's the articulated way of saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for this year, you know, we said fully exempt, you've got your, your, your pick. Um, how, how are you sitting down and deciding where you want to play and, and what events you want to skip? Is it geographical? Is it, you know, the, I've, I've played well on this course, you know, like, like you, you play well in Utah every single year. So, you know, I'm assuming that's going to be on the schedule, but how do you go about kind of picking and choosing what you're going to play? So, I mean, just like everybody, you know, I have my preferences. Um, you know, I played probably 75% of the courses uh, last year uh, or last two years, I should say. And, you know, I figured out that, you know, what I like and what I don't like. But at the same time, I was also surprised by a few things. Um, you know, I told my uh, I told uh, my player relations guy, who's been a huge, huge help, uh, Brad McGahey, and I told him about Louisiana. And I said, you know, the place is the place is terrible. I mean, it's it's not it, it it keeps and it's not their fault necessarily, but but you know the you know the golf course in and of itself just is impacted by so many different things during the winter that you know when we come and play it in March, um, you know it's usually you know not in that great a shape. Um, so I told him I said you know I'm never coming back here again, and he said why. I said, well, you know, the, the town and, you know, whatever, right. Whatever reason I had on my mind at the time, he goes, well, listen, dude, I'll, I'll get you hooked up with the, with the best guy here. He'll host you, yada, yada, yada. And you'll have a great time. I was like, okay, fine. And so, you know, added that one to the schedule. Um, and then, you know, I realized, you know, I didn't necessarily want to go back to great Exuma um, because it was really, really expensive. And, and, you know, I didn't feel like getting blown around for, you know, for you know basically a whole week but oh the, um, yeah the wind there is awful <laughs> oh it's it's so so i mean even growing up in hawaii you know we would have that sort of weather maybe once a year and you know that comes all the time there uh and especially in january and you know but at the same time there were things that i did that that i could have improved my experience um and saved money and so you know, I'll go back and I'll, and I'll do that. Um, and I played well there last year. So, you know, it, it didn't, you know, it wasn't like it was a bad golf course or anything like that. So, you know, those, those sort of things, you know, kind of open your, when you're open to, you know, kind of trying different things and, and uh, stuff like that, the schedule opens up. So, I mean, realistically, you know, there's maybe one or two events in total uh, that I probably won't go to. Um I don't necessarily like playing in Chicago in May. Um, it could be freezing like it was this year, or it could be pouring rain, or or it could be perfect, but more than likely it's not going to be great. Right. Um, you know, the lake effect is not great that time of year. Um, so, and then, you know, Kansas City uh, just, just did their practice uh, facility. Um, so we're not going to be off mats this year, uh, or this next year, I should say. So, you know, I'll go and play there. Um, that's blue Hills country club, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So okay. yep. unfortunately they got hit with a snowstorm, 
like uh, three or four weeks uh, before we were supposed to get there. So it kind of shut everything down. So when, when, when they got there and I didn't play this year, but when they got there, um, they were off mats. And for obvious reasons, you know, I wasn't going to go do that. So, you know, I, as much as I, you know, love banging balls, like the next guy, I don't like walking away with arthritis. So, um, you know, but, uh, and then what, what's the other one? Um, you know, Maine, I'm, I'm Maine. I'm kind of I'm debating, even though I played well last year, um, uh, just because of where it sits in the schedule. Um, you know, we have to go, I think we go Wichita, Maine, Colorado, um, yeah, then back so that's, out. That's pretty difficult. Out to the Midwest again in Illinois, Missouri. Yeah. That's just, now, you know, I I I nitpick because you know I can do it. I guess with with the voice I have on this stupid podcast. But does it bother you guys as much as it bothers like a casual fan? Well, maybe I I shouldn't say casual fan. Obviously, you know, a, a, a deep seated fan, but someone that knows a lot of guys on tour and, and caddies. It just seems asinine to me that the way that you crisscross the U.S. I mean, why has anyone ever asked or has anyone ever told you on the Corn Ferry tour why they just don't bunch? geographic regions of the u.s together like they do on the pga tour you know pga tour has its california swing it's arizona swing it's it's florida swing and then in the summer it hits the northeast you know when the weather's good and they just kind of follow the sun you guys are you know if you look at a map you know like let, let's just take this may through june section midwest of missouri midwest and illinois you go down south to north carolina then to south carolina then you go back up to Kansas, you go to the northeast to Maine, you go way out west to Colorado, and then you come back to the Midwest twice more before going back to the southwest in Utah. It's insane. Like, especially for you guys with the travel that you have to incur, uh, you know, I, I say this every year, but I just, I think it's nuts. Do they ever give you guys a reasoning behind it, or it's just sponsorship money? Well, I mean, so obviously... Uh, <laughs> I have to be a little careful here. I know, um, I know. I don't but, have to. Be, so I don't have to be. I, I, I enjoy. I, I, I'll, I'll put it. Also, I'll give you the. I'll give you the reason. Um, I'll give you the reason for for my response before I give you my response. So what I'm about to say kind of centers around the idea that that um, I do respect and and appreciate the hard work that that a lot of a lot of people put in uh, to get these tournaments um, to go in general. Um, you know uh, the the work that that I mean <laughs> Baldwin and her entire team at the tour uh, put in to, to get our schedule together for after COVID or during COVID I should say uh, you know was pretty incredible, but. <laughs> and there's always a but, uh, you know, everybody, and, and I hope I've gained enough respect uh, amongst my peers and amongst the people at the tour that they don't take this too harshly. But um, honestly, the PGA Tour is a billion dollar business um, For sure. For that sure. uh, at the end of the day can pick and choose which market they want to go to when, um, you know. I continue to talk to, you know, pretty much every time I see a, see or play with, you know, a PJ Tour veteran, 
you know, I talk to them about why they, why they go to a certain place and the difference between us and them. And they say, listen, dude, here's the bottom line. Um, we go to a place at the, at the right time of year because that's when the golf course is, is going to be in its best shape. Um, that does, that's not to say that golf courses sometimes aren't in the greatest of shape, but that, that time of year um, is, is pretty much always going to, to create uh, or get, or, you know, give way to the best possible weather and the best possible conditions. Right. Um, we don't get that. Um, we, we play the Midwest in the middle of the summer. <laughs> yeah. And um, if I'm not mistaken, actually, I know I'm not mistaken because I live there. Um, it sucks during the middle of the summer. Um, there, you could get any number of things uh, that could make that experience piss poor. Um, for example, um, we were in Springfield, Illinois, and Springfield, Illinois is a very small town, um, famous, obviously, um, but still small. Land of, land of Lincoln, and, right? Land of Lincoln, exactly yeah. right. Um, <laughs> that man's face is everywhere, um, as yeah, it I, should be. Um, I, I know but, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so what's, what's crazy is, is that we're, we're there and we show up and, and, um, it's fucking pouring. And I mean, absolute torrential downpour. Yeah. I, I, I remember, days. I remember that. It was terrible. I mean, and I'm literally sheets of water oh, pouring off the clubhouse, flooding the area. Dude, I, I, were you there? It was ridiculous. No, was, no, 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 no. But just, just for my, so my oh, one, the videos and yeah, and my, my one good buddy, Caddy's out there and he'll send me oh, stuff dude. all the time behind the scenes <sighs> stuff. It's just, just wild. Like you're, you're waiting for Noah to, to come out on an arc. Oh, God. oh, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what's crazy is, is I'm there on Monday and I don't remember where I think we came from Colorado and, um, and I, and I drove down from Chicago after flying into O'Hare and God, God, you know, it's, it's Sunday night and, you know, I get in and, and whatever. And, and then Monday I'm like, man, it's supposed to pour. So I get there, go register. And I literally legitimately had to change socks, dude. We had the, we had the Monday pro-am and I kid you not. Um, it was five, six inches of rain on top of water on top of the practice facility <laughs> and we're all just kind of standing around we're like are we or do they really think that this is going to happen i mean like at all um and then finally after like you know three or four hours of waiting they were like oh yeah we're done I'm like okay fine but like so monday it rains and i think tuesday it rained in the afternoon and then wednesday it was okay uh for a little while and then you know it it was fine on Thursday, but it was just, it, it was mind boggling to me because not only did this place get severely impacted by COVID, I mean, there was maybe six guys working on the maintenance staff in general, um, you know, because of, you know, job shortages and, or not job shortage, but, but people shortages in general, um, you know, and the weather was terrible. So, so all these bunkers that they, that they had washed out, um, and the golf course, which is not a tough golf course at all, goes from, you know, has to play firm and fast in order to be a challenge to we're basically playing darts. And right. so right. I'm looking at this place going, um, I'm never coming back here again. 
<laughs> and so it's just one of those things. But but you know, and then I th- I don't remember where we went from from there. Um, shows you how good my memory is. But um, you know, and and I'm just like this is this was the worst possible experience we could have had. So there's Springfield, Illinois, there's Chicago, and there's Kansas City. And all three of those events this last year were, I think Kansas City was was really cold and wet. Um, Chicago, it was freezing uh, because of the wind chill. Uh, they literally were passing out like face masks. It was that bad. Um, and then obviously it, 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 you know, basically was, you know, wait, like you said, waiting for Noah's Ark um, in Springfield. So it's just not, oh, I remember, yeah, we went from Springfield, Illinois to, to uh, Springfield, Missouri, uh, two completely different uh, places, which I, I, I really enjoyed Missouri, but um, yeah, dude, it's, it's just, we just don't have, we just don't have the say uh, to, we, we don't give golf courses a million dollars a year um, to maintain golf courses the right way and to allow us to come into their house, uh, you know, basically when, you know, courses are in the best shape i mean i think we played we played a golf course this year where they're like oh yeah our our member guest is next week so that's why the golf course that's why the golf course isn't playing that firm yet i'm like (laughs) what (laughs) what like you've got to be kidding me well yeah we just don't want to lose the course i'm like (laughs) i mean i guess sure i mean you're not i you know i understand you don't want to lose the golf course but we, you can go from, you know, a, you know, pretty soft to just not soft just by not watering. You know, it's not like it's a, it's not like it's 150 degrees and, and howling wind, you know, it's, it's 85 and perfect every day. Yeah. Well, I, I love, you know, I, I love for our listeners to hear straight from the horse's mouth that, you know, professional golf, while, a lot of times glamorous from the outside, especially, you know, to amateur golfers and stuff like that. And people that maybe dream about it is, is not always, you know, sunshine and rainbows all the time. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, you know, and, and, and just think, I mean, this is, this is the minor leagues. This is triple a baseball for the PGA tour. You know, you think you, you funnel down to Latino America, PGA tour, China, Canada, and then, you know, some of the, the mini tours in various States, and you see that it really is a grind out there. Um, I, oh, wanted yeah. to, I wanted to ask you because I, I put a I put a Instagram story up. We're getting ready to do our you know our weekly next oh, week, yeah, kind of towards that. the end of yeah, yeah kind of towards the end of the year here uh, in the Northeast. I told you I was supposed to have a member guest say, and it got canceled because it's just awful out. It's true fall weather. But I put a question up for the listeners. You know, what are your biggest pet peeves out there? Um, just thinking I was going to do a quick segment on it. Uh, I might have to turn it into an entire episode because I just keep getting more and more. <laughs> well, and more. giving people a reason to complain, they're going to complain. Yeah, and I guess that's what people want <laughs> best, you know? Um, yeah. But out, out on tour, now now take it out of the context of you going out with your buddies and playing, you know, the local country club or muni or something like that. But but what are what are one or two of your pet peeves when you're out on tour playing an actual tournament. Hmm. Just curious how that, how that differs. <laughs> I mean, how many do you want here? So, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm, obviously I'm, I'm more, I'm kind of 
more interested in how it differs from, you know, like what I would be annoyed at out there. Or or maybe we have the same exact mindset, you know? Well, I mean, obviously, um, you know, this is, this is going to sound so arrogant, but as a professional golfer, um, you know, and, and God, that, that, that really did sound bad. Um, <laughs> like, I think, you know, you how down to earth you are at this point. I think uh, they you know, look, look past that. I like, I like that. They though. For, they might forget that here in a minute, but, um, so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you have to realize that, that, like you said, it's, it's not glamorous. Um, and we, we don't get, um, we don't get the same treatment that the PJ tour does. So, you know, the things that the PJ tour has to complain about really centers around, um, you know, and, and we, we get it pretty good. I mean, we have it, we have it pretty damn good. I mean, we, we get, you know, we don't have to practice with range balls. We, you know, we have Titleists and as much as I can't stand Titleists, you know, that's, that's what we have to practice. And there are always new balls every single week. Um, and there's more than enough for us and we don't have to go searching for them or anything like that. Um, so all of the amenities generally are always the same. Um, you know, we've been pretty fortunate to have some good locker room attendance and some good locker rooms and some good, you know, food and beverage and stuff like that. And, you know, but my biggest pet peeve probably centers around, uh, communication with volunteers. Um, if, if having, well, grown up, having grown up the way that I did and that with the father that I did, you know, master chief in the Navy, um, when it comes to organizing and getting a team of people to do what they need to do, it's sort of an innate ability of mine, not because of anything I do, but because of just how I was taught that, you know, I'm able to see certain flaws in a system. And there have been a lot of times where, um, you know, golf balls will come sailing over our heads or we'll get hit into or, you know, we'll walk up to to a place and have no idea where the golf ball is um, just simply because the, the people had no idea how to signal in or out or stuff like that. <clears throat> but again, you know, the reason why it kind of has such a such a, you know, a funny name pet peeve is because realistically you can look past it because it, it's generally not that big of a deal. Um, you know, it's it's. <laughs> To me, anyways, I mean, people's pet peeves are always, you know, taken out of context, I feel like, especially when it comes to dealing with other people. Um, but, you know, for me, um, it, it's that's the, probably the biggest pet peeve. And it's not even that big of a deal because these people are volunteering their time. And the fact that the fact that I want them to do something, um, you know, is probably an issue. Uh, outside of that, um, yeah, I mean, my biggest pet peeve is when a golf course clearly doesn't need to water. Um, and it's like, it's like over overtly, like, I mean, it's like, holy crap, you don't need to water anymore. And we go and talk to the superintendent or the tour staff and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we'll have the greens rolling at a 10 and a half, 11. And then you get out there and it's barely a 10, if that. Um, and none of the golf, none of the balls are getting to the hole and they're all plugging and it's like, so you didn't prepare for us at all. Like you just woke up 
Sunday morning and was like, oh, that's right. We have a tournament here this week. And, you know, that's sort of one of those things where if I were to say that to a tournament official, they would say play better. Right, right, right. You know, what what I and I I suppose I should wrap this whole thing up on this pet peeve thing with with this just so just so everybody's clear. Quite frankly, I could give a shit less about what a volunteer says or does for the most part. Most of the time they stay out of the way. Most of the time they're incredibly um polite and helpful. Um and if I just didn't fucking hit it there, uh I wouldn't have to go searching for the golf ball. Um, and as far as the greens or the fairways and stuff like that, um, I just fly it closer to the hole, um, or hit a better shot. Uh, and I won't have to worry about it. Um, you know, and so it's, it's funny because, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's, I'm on the corn freight tour and I'm not on the PGA tour. So, um, you know, if I get to a place, well, when I get to the tour, I should say, I was going to say, yet. yeah, yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, when, when we get to where we're going to go, um, you know, and, and we're having this conversation a year's time, uh, and I've, you know, and I've just walked out of the Zozo cup or whatever, um, you know, or whatever, or, or done with the, done with the fall season, we're getting ready for Bermuda. Um, you know, when I'm having this conversation, I'm complaining about my rental car that I got for free. You can hang <laughs> up and text me and you go, come talk to me when you've, when you've pulled your head out of your ass. And it's just, and it's just that simple. So what's great is, is that, you know, and, and I think that, I think that I hope that, that the people listening to this will, will understand, um, you know, I had this conversation with, with uh, Garagus. Um, if I said half of the shit that um, some of these guys have said over the last couple of years, my dad would hand me my ass. Sure. Because it's just sure. it's one of those things. It's one of those things that I will watch. It's what is part of the reason why I don't watch golf anymore. Um, because it's, be, it's become so commercialized um, and almost fake, not the game itself, but, but some of these guys are just, are just really fucking boring. And then when they try to be something that they're not, it's, it's almost like, you know, you have to, Oh, well, you, you know, you have to think about it from their perspective. And it's like, why don't you just say, you know, why don't you just say the correct phrase rather than sitting there making this controversial point? Um, you know, and it's not that they're bad people, but you know, Karagas, Karagas is, and I love the guy. Uh, he's such a good dude. Uh, you know, same exact response. He's like, dude, like, it's 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 not difficult to be nice. It's not difficult to be humble. It's not difficult to be, you know, thankful for what you get to do. Um, and I think that it gets lost um, as a professional golfer. It gets lost. I mean, it really does. Yeah, um, I think the longer that point, the longer these guys are on tour, and the more they get wrapped up in sponsorship money, and the more. They hear people telling them how, you know, godlike they are and how otherworldly they are. They just kind of yeah. get wrapped into it and, and believe their own hype, you know, and, and I've, I've seen both sides. I've seen the complete humble PGA Tour pro that will, you know, stop and chat with me. And then I see another guy that I can ask the same exact question to and will stare through you like you don't even exist. And it's just it's mind blowing because at the end of the day, people are people, right? Everybody puts their pants on the same way. That's it, man. That's it. 
Uh, Brent, look, man, as always, you know, I love chatting with you. I'm so glad we got to catch up. Uh, and, and really, I can't wait until next year until I can announce, you know, hey, Brent Grant, PGA Tour player. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's super cool. I'm, I'm really glad that uh, we get to do this. And, uh, you know, it kind of actually is a, is a good learning experience for me. I think the first time that I did it, I said, uh, um, that's a good question about 45 times. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, if you want to so, go back and listen to that one, bit. you can just search, go into our in the in the annals of Leave the Pin and just type in Brent's name. It'll yeah. pop up yeah. quite a few times, which is awesome. Yeah. We love having you. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. All right. So, hey, I know you're going out to, to play. Enjoy it. I'm going to go out and battle the yard right now and try to uh, get the conditions right out here. <laughs> yeah. get, get in that really good work. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, people, so either get busy golfing or get busy dying. At Eagles and Arrows, we supply timeless style and high-quality golf essentials. We strive to provide the personal attention that consumers deserve. We're taking extra steps to personally and thoughtfully design our goods to bring you the best products out there. In 2021, we are releasing a new head club cover every month. We're releasing several new hat designs, including the Tremendous Slouch, which is on our website right now. We're also doing custom designs on our gloves and all of our leather goods. At the end of the day, we're all about living life to its fullest and enjoying this amazing game that we love with great people. Love golf, live life, Eagles and Arrows. Check us out on Instagram at Eagles and Arrows CO and online at www.eaglesandarrows.com.